Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're joined now by the Premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe. Uh, Premier, lots for us to talk about, but what we're hearing coming out of uh, Ukraine is absolutely horrifying. How's, what's your what's your response? What's your reaction? You have a large Ukrainian community in Saskatchewan. We we do, Roy, and, and thank you for having me on uh, here today. And I did listen to your interview with uh, uh, Mr. Guren uh, just a few minutes ago, and it's 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 quite troubling uh, what we are hearing uh, day in day out coming out of Ukraine with this. Uh, uh, with this Russian invasion uh, into Ukraine. You're, you're correct. In Saskatchewan, we have about a 15% of our population can uh, trace their roots uh, back uh, to Ukraine. And so this is paramount uh, for our province. And we've uh, stepped in various ways to uh, support uh, uh, the in any way we can. And ultimately now looking at how we can support uh, uh, the flow of uh, Ukrainian, essentially, refugees uh, from uh, areas of the EU to Saskatchewan, and whether that be for a month, uh, for three months, six months, a year, or forever, um, whatever that is, um, we want to do what we can to support and to get those families to a safer, safer area of the world. Uh, because I, I just, quite simply, um, no, no one knows how long this is is going to go on. Um, it may go a while. I had the opportunity to visit with a, a number of refugees last week when I was in Castle, Germany, and. Uh, the the determination and the resilience uh, that that uh, many of uh, of those families had had put forth, they just simply said, "We're never going to leave our homes, and there's no way for Putin to win this war." And I heard that same determination uh, in, uh, in in Dmitry Guren's uh, uh, interview just a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, amazing strength and resilience from the people of Ukraine, uh, Premier. I, I've covered terrible stories in my career terrible stories and uh, sometimes i wake up at three o'clock in the morning and think about them involuntarily uh the story that's coming out of ukraine is is just absolutely the worst when you think of the the people of that nation who were living their lives as we're living our lives in this country now six weeks ago eight weeks ago they had great concern about the russians massing on the border but they weren't sure that uh, the russians were going to attack and now six weeks later their their country, much of it is in ruins, and their people are are absolutely um, uh, treated with terror. So, um, yeah, let, let's talk about the the other issues that we were going to discuss because there's a lot to talk about that's going on in this country. And you have very strong opinions, Premier, on what's been said by the Prime Minister and steps that the government is taking. So what I want to do is just play back a little clip of you that was on your Twitter feed, and then I want to ask you about it. Tom, play it. And we need to ask ourselves three questions. Is this the right time to impose and on April 1st increase a carbon tax? Is this the right time for us in this nation to seriously look at banning oil tankers off the west coast of Canada? Is this the right time for us as a national government to make it more difficult to build a new pipeline or build a new mine or, or a new manufacturing facility? And the answer to each of those questions is no, no, and most certainly not. Premier, I've heard you on this program express frustration. I've heard you I thought angry about what was coming out of Ottawa at certain times. I'm hearing a Scott Moe who's just had enough. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 we see, uh, you know, this past week the federal government is, uh, you know, talking about other 
uh, initiatives on, on the climate change file that they, uh, you know, think they're, they're, they're going to put forward and, and, you know, whatever, that's, that's the talk that they ultimately can have. But here, here's the questions we, we do need to have a look at as Canadians and, and really think about, uh, you know, what impact uh, our policies are having, not only on, on us as Canadians, but having on other areas of the world. And if you want to, uh, see um, what impact uh, these types of policies that the federal government is is attempting to put forward in Canada. You, you know what impact they have. Look no further than the EU. I, I was there uh, last week. Uh, the questions on the minds of uh, those folks in the EU and the UK, for that matter, are are simply around uh, their energy security. They get about 35, 40 percent of their coal, oil, and natural gas from Russia. Um, and impending in, in in the next number of months. Uh, very serious questions around food security is we don't know to what level Ukraine is going to be able to seed a crop. They're a major wheat exporter uh, in uh, in the Eastern Europe area. And these two questions are, are top of mind uh, on, on folks in the EU. And then quite frankly, they, they are concerned with what has led them uh, to be in this very, very vulnerable position uh, where they are absolutely reliant on uh, you know, countries, mainly Russia, in uh, and and countries in Eastern Eastern Europe, for their their energy security and for their food security, and ultimately, I think with now seeing what is happening with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, there's huge concerns around their econ- their economic sovereignty and really their sovereignty as as, as EU nations. Yeah, I, I was speaking uh, when I spoke with uh, Bjorn Lomborg in the last hour. I suggested that Europe really is the energy, uh, the canary in the energy coal mine for the rest of the world. And um, so what uh, what did you see? What did you hear in the UK and and in Germany? Because we understand the German energy minister has told the people of the country, cut back on your electricity use because we're running short. I mean, they're coming out of the winter, they're going into spring, and you have also France has done the same thing, warning their citizens to cut back. This is a continent that not so long ago was energy self-sufficient as we were not so long ago. And they've outsmarted themselves with foolish climate policy, uh, essentially is what what has occurred. Um, or the people at least have been uh, fooled by by uh, respective governments introducing uh, the, these types of these type of these types of policies. What, what I heard uh, when we were in in Germany, uh, in the EU, and, and even in the UK is is we're reliant on Russia for our for our gas, our oil, and our, our coal. We we this is a, a huge dilemma for us. Um, they went back to um, not only uh, nuclear plants that are starting to be phased out, but also coal-fired plants that are being phased out, and asked them if they could ramp up production uh, for a period of time. I'm not sure that they can, and that ultimately has required the, the, the German government to ask uh, Germany, in the case of Germany, for them to curtail their use. This is a problem that might have some global issues as well. Is this isn't just homes uh, turning the dial down on their thermostats a little. This is major centers of manufacturing, uh, automobiles, uh, aircraft, uh, um, agricultural chemicals. Many of those are manufactured uh, in, in the country of Germany, quite uh, in energy intensive. And so this may have an impact. This, this, this uh, uh, reliance on a, a rogue nation, essentially, uh, for, their, for their, energy, their energy supply may actually have a, a much larger impact on the world than we realize uh, just here today. And it may actually leak into some serious food security issues in the next uh, in the next number of months. There, there was two questions that we discussed over there, if I could, Roy. Um, one was uh, uh, 
those in the EU are having a very good look in the mirror right now as to where they're buying their their products from. Where are we buying our food? Where are we buying our energy from? And are they a reliable, trustworthy partner? Russia is not. Canada, and I would put forward Saskatchewan, most certainly is. And then how are those products actually being produced? And when you look at, and I'll use Saskatchewan as, as the example, and I've said this on your show many times, our agri-food products, our oil products, our, our potash products, our uranium products are produced with a much lower carbon content uh, than their competitors around the world. In the case of potash, uh, those are competitors, Belarus and Russia. Uh, most certainly, uh, Saskatchewan potash is the most sustainable potash you can buy in the world. And the question we were being asked is, how how can we get more of that into the EU? And so that's what we're working on uh, post this uh, last week's trip uh, into uh, the EU and the, and the UK. I've heard a lot said about fertilizer, lack of fertilizer, part of it because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But also I've heard that this federal government frowns on fertilizer use. Am I right? What's the situation with that? And how significant is the fertilizer for Saskatchewan? Well, yes, uh, the federal government is starting to talk about taking their, their climate change conversation agriculture. We just won't stand for that in Saskatchewan. There's, there, there's, uh, there's just no room for that to risk our food security and to risk the food security of uh, our allies around the world that we provide uh, food with. Saskatchewan has 40% of the arable farmland in Canada. Much of the innovation that not only boosts production, but also uh, makes it one of the, if not the most sustainable agricultural industry in, in industry in the world. And yes, from a climate change perspective, and yes, if the federal government wants to meet any net zero uh, targets by 2050, uh, Saskatchewan agriculture and innovation is going to be a, a large part of that. Uh, with respect to fertilizer, uh, we're, we're seeing uh, almost a tripling in some cases of, of fertilizer prices uh, here uh, in, in the prairie provinces. That, that's challenging for, for our ag producers as they uh, look to put a crop in. Some of that is, is due to uh, just inflation uh, that has been occurring around the world. But some of that is, is uh, also in part due to um, one of the other uh, major uh, or significant fertilizer providers in the world uh, is, is Belarus and, and Russia, in particular when it comes to potash fertilizer, competing directly with, with Saskatchewan products. And this is where that uh, the Canadian government should be, in my opinion, carrying a message like, like we were this past week, is you should be buying your fertilizer from Saskatchewan because we want a long-term uh, trading relationship. We're a trusted and reliable supplier. And it's the cleanest fertilizer in the world that you can buy. Now, you're not buying it from a rogue nation, and you're doing right by the government by by uh, offsetting or replacing a furnish, uh, fertilizer that you might buy from a, that that is uh, produced on, in nowhere near uh, the same sustainability matrix. So, this is how the federal government, in many cases, should be uh, approaching climate change from that global perspective. Is understanding that. Our products in, in Saskatchewan and Canada are already the most sustainable in the world. Yes, we need to work to, uh, you know, make them more, even more sustainable in the future. And we'll do that by achieving our, our net zero by 2050. But to start piling on additional regulations are, is ultimately uh, the UN's uh, traditional climate change plan. It's what the one that the EU had adopted. I think Bjorn Lumberg had said that was the initiative that essentially was providing uh, the Putin administration a half a billion dollars a day by people going and buying there because they're shutting uh, in production in the EU. And we shouldn't be looking at mirroring this situation in Canada or we might find ourselves in that same very vulnerable position where we 
uh, do not have our own energy security. We do not have uh, food security in this nation. And ultimately, it's going to threaten our sovereignty as a nation. And that's what we're seeing happen in, in Europe today. And, and so we, we, should, <laughs> we should be looking at what hasn't worked and should, uh, you know, really change to, uh, you know, developing a narrative and a plan that is going to work for Canadians first, uh, but also for the world. Yeah. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, what's the agenda? Premier, how many other premiers support, let's say, pipelines to Tidewater so we can export oil to the world that still needs it? And the even, you know, the International Energy Association very clearly states that we're going to need oil in the world for decades to come. How many leading politicians in, in Canada challenge tanker bans on the West Coast? There's no tanker ban on the East Coast, so I guess if anything pollutes on the East Coast, it's okay, not on the West Coast. That has to be the conclusion of the uh, initiative by Mr. Trudeau. How many challenge the massive daily importation of foreign oil? And how many challenge the increasing carbon tax at a time like this? Are you on your own? No, uh, most certainly not. And I, I think it's when you break out each of those conversations, and this is what the, the, often the federal government and, and anyone that's pushing a, a, some type of an agenda around the world will do, but they will break out one of those those topics and, and have the conversation or the argument on whether or not it is virtuous or not. And, and what we really need to have a conversation about as Canadians is, is uh, you know, infrastructure in general not just pipelines that are carrying oil, but we have a number of LNG plants uh, that were not built due to federal uh, regulations that were in place. Uh, we have a number of pipelines, oil pipelines, that were not built uh, because of, of federal regulations that were put in place, Bill C-69 for uh, all of those. I mean, we always have uh, you know various infrastructure challenges with getting our food and our fertilizer around to the areas of North America where it ultimately needs to be. Sometimes that is a, a port facility. But all of this infrastructure, we need to bring this together and the regulations that come in place, like carbon taxation and those things, and ensure that we are focusing, yes, on the environment, but also ensuring we're not taking our eye off the ball and we are prioritizing our Canadian, and I always say even our continental, but let's, let's concentrate on our Canadian energy security. Let's ensure that we are prioritizing and focusing our Canadian food security and ultimately our economic and our, our political sovereignty as a nation by ensuring that we can take care of ourselves. This is where I would say that the EU has taken their eye off the ball. This is where I would say that many in the EU, the large proportion that I talk to, realize that um, we should not replicate um, what has not worked in the EU here in Canada. We should choose a different path. It's a path that would treat us uh, far better in the next number of decades as Canadians. And I would say it's also a path that ultimately uh, would put the world on a better trajectory to not only um, not funding rogue nations, like what has happened uh, in the case of Russia, but put us on a better path to choosing the products that are produced more sustainably by uh, more uh, more trustworthy nations. And so, you know, that, that was in, in, a, in a nutshell is really what we talked about here this past week. Um, okay. I, I saw the federal government come out with a, a plan uh, there past week, this past week on uh, 42% reduction of emissions in the, in the energy industry. That, that isn't going to apply uh, right. in Saskatchewan. I mean, you can ignore the reality of what the situation might be, but you cannot ignore the consequences of that reality. And, okay. and that's what the EU is being faced with right now. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.